This is Journey to the Podium. And you are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. 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 This is Paige Gore. This is Paul Tedford. Hi, this is Allison Miller. In this episode of Journey to the Podium, Lindsay Christensen joins the show. I kind of sit back, relax, and listen as Lindsay and Hannah discuss target archery. Lindsay is an avid outdoors woman and huntress. Lindsay was born and raised in the hunting industry, living most of her life near the mountains of southeast Idaho. Lindsay was taught the hunting lifestyle at a very young age by her father, who is also a passionate hunter. When she isn't hunting, Lindsay can be found mentoring nursing students, caring for the sick or injured, playing with her nieces, running down a dirt road, or shooting her bow. Lindsay has been on multiple world archery teams for the United States and hopes to one day win an individual world championship title. Lindsay wakes up each day looking for ways to challenge herself, living by the motto, if you think you can do it, you can. Hannah and Lindsay kind of walk through Lindsay's journey of archery. Lindsay was super successful at a very young age, so Hannah kind of dissects that and discusses with Lindsay what that felt like and the challenges and, and things that that brought along at such a young age. And then she walks through all of Lindsay's other accomplishments throughout the years, and they cover a ton of awesome information, small stories, and a bunch of other great stuff. I hope you guys enjoy it. Be on the lookout for our November sale. If you spend 50 bucks, no matter how, as long as it totals up to 50 bucks, we're going to give you a free Yeti. Head on over to www.archerymaniacs.com to check that out. Our live podcast is every Wednesday. If you got a question, feel free to jump on live and submit the question there. Send it to us in direct message. We really appreciate your participation and your questions and look forward to helping out any way that we can. Do you suffer from target panic? Does buck fever have you shaking in your boots at the moment of truth? Well, check out Iron Mind Hunting. Joel Turner's complete controlled process shooting program will take you and your shooting skills to the next level. Decide to succeed with Iron Mind Hunting. Joel offers online courses as well as in-person seminars. Check it out at www.ironmindhunting.com. Now, let's get into the show. Well, my name's Lindsay Christensen, and I grew up here in southeast Idaho, uh, pretty much in the mountains my whole life. And I started shooting a bow when I was four. My dad actually got me into shooting. He would take my sister and I with him to archery leagues to give my mom a break. Started shooting leagues with my dad and little 3D, local 3D shoots, and by the time I was eight, I was beating all the women in the club, and so my dad took me to my first international competition, which would have been called the World Archery Festival in Vegas back then, and I was able to get third place that year, and I've just pretty much been competing in pretty big tournaments ever since then, so... When did you get started shooting, and did you start shooting tournaments right off the bat, or how did that? How did you get into the tournament scene? I started just shooting leagues whenever I was four, and my dad took me to like the 3D tournaments in the summer around here. You know, when I was four, five, six, so I have a bunch of little trophies from the early 90s <laughs> that are just like wood plaques. But me, I didn't really consider those tournaments. You know, they were just more fun shoots for me. And then yeah. I finally shot my first 
big tournament when I was eight. I went to the World Archery Festival, or now called the Vegas Shoot, and mm-hmm. I was able to get third place there, and that's really what got me hooked on shooting tournaments. Third place at Vegas at your first big tournament. That's pretty impressive. Thanks. And so what what was that like? I mean, I just went to Vegas for the first time this last year, you know, and that's where I met you. And, and Vegas for me as a, a mid-20s, you know, woman was still overwhelming. What was that like as an 8-year-old? <laughs> I, I guess it didn't really fully sink in until a couple of years later, like how big of a deal that was. And so I was still at the point where I didn't, like, get – tournament nerves and stuff like that I would say back then like I was still it was still fun and I didn't really um realize like how big of a deal it was until a couple of years later I whenever I went when I was 10 I actually won when I was 10 and then I finally like realized wow this is kind of a big deal you know like people wanted to the local newspaper wanted to do stories on me and stuff like that and I was like oh like this is kind of a big deal and so I yeah, whenever I was eight I really it really didn't like sink in. It was more just of a fun thing for me still at that point. That that's kind of a blessing there when you don't realize how big of a tournament it is, you don't get those yeah. nerves. <laughs> so then I guess since you were talking about nerves, how how has that changed for you as you as you've kind of grown up and gotten more into professional archery and you know, still shooting in the exact same tournaments you were when you were eight or ten, but obviously on a much more competitive level now with every, you know, big name professional archer out there. How have how have you changed or your nerves and how has your mental game changed throughout the years? Right. So generally every tournament archer experiences some sort of target panic in their archery career and I've had a couple bouts with that. I think my first my first bout I had, you know, when I was twelve to fourteen years old and then I got over that. It worked really hard and I was able to make my first world team when I was 15. And then I've had target panic again the last couple of years. And so this last fall is whenever I got it like really bad, switching from hunting to tournaments and just the beginning of the indoor season, I just had what we call target panic, which I just couldn't aim in the middle no matter what I did. And so I actually um, started doing, I started going to a hypnotist. And I started keeping, like, a tournament and practice log to help with my mental game. And I started focusing on things that I could control. So, obviously, I can't control score. So, I started focusing on form. So, every day I would go practice and I would pick a a different element out of my form that I want to work on for the day. So, maybe I wanted to work on relaxing my bow hand or maybe I wanted to work on pulling, like, through my shot with back tension or something like that. And then instead of focusing on score, I my goal would be to make 60 shots using perfect form. And so I really worked really hard all through the winter and, and still now I'm still going to see a hypnotist once a month and still, you know, writing my journal and stuff like that. But um, And I really saw some huge improvements. Like that's how I would say I got over my target panic where I can actually control it now. And so... I shot, well, like this last weekend, I was able to shoot my highest score ever at a V-formation tournament. And the weekend before, on Saturday of Nationals in Cincinnati, I shot my highest tournament score on the five-slot target. And so I feel like I have my nerves pretty in check at the moment. And so definitely you when you're shooting for things like money and you don't, okay. you don't want to embarrass yourself and stuff like that, your your mind definitely can be your biggest enemy or your biggest tool. So Absolutely. Tool. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I know I know everyone has 
their own method for focusing, you know, or for overcoming target panic, whether it's visualization or or meditation or hypnotist. You know, that that's an interesting mm-hmm. one. I haven't heard that before, but um, everything you brought up as far as focusing on the things you could control, you know, versus the things you can't control, I can absolutely see how that'd be a big benefit or a big, you know, a big way to overcome that panic. Um, so when you're when you're on the line, then since we're on the subject of of target panic or nerves, when you're on the line, maybe in like an elimination style shoot off, where mm-hmm. typically a lot of people's nerves are going to be highest. You know, it's one on one against another person shooting on the same bale. You can see their arrows hitting, and you can see your arrows hitting, and compare. Um, what do you do to stay focused and in the zone, and you know, in the moment? So beyond overcoming target panic, but in that moment, how do you how do you stay focused on your own shooting? So I really tried to make sure that I recite my shot sequence to myself before every arrow, and that makes me stay focused because I have to make sure that I go through those steps that I have, like nine steps, and that if I concentrate on that, I'm able to really stay like focused on me instead of them. And so, for example, Saturday night I shot elimination matches at the tournament that I was at, and I was able to beat the number two ranked male shooter of the tournament in my elimination match. And, I mean, he just shot an eight, and I stood up there and shot my highest score of the day. I shot my highest match score of the day. And <laughs> and he actually, I mean, we're pretty good friends, and so he had, he shot an eight, like, on his third arrow. We were shooting five arrow matches. And he's like, oh, crap, I just shot an eight. And so then I knew that I could win if I just shot my shot. And so I just put my last three arrows right in the middle, and I ended up winning by two points because I put he shot an eight, and I put all mine in the middle. So it was yeah. pretty cool. That is cool. It's always great when you have those wins like that, even if it's, you know, in a small tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had also mentioned making 60 shots using perfect form. Now, I know that there's some archers that, you know, really believe in blank bailing, other archers that think blank bailing isn't the best thing for them. When when you're focusing on that form, are you all, are you focusing on that form while you're aiming at a target, or, you know, do you blank bail and totally eliminate the aiming process and focus on the rest of the form? How do you do that? So I usually blank bell during, like, indoor season. I try to blank bell once a week or so. I shoot a few arrows blank bell. But really, you're, whenever you're shooting at a target, to me, it's, I mean, it's similar, but you have different elements, like your, a little, your bow hand's usually a little more tense, things like that. And so I actually, whenever I'm counting my 60 shots, I am aiming at a target whenever I do that. And I actually, I never got higher than 55 out of 60 and so I mm-hmm. that's my goal is to keep to keep improving but you know so um yeah but I yeah I think it's really beneficial to to do both blank selling as well as practice your form while you're actually shooting at a target face because everything is a little bit different yeah absolutely um so I guess another question I have seeing as you've been competing for a long time and, and competing at a competitive level even in your younger um in your early ages I guess in tournament archery how has your bow setup changed throughout those years um you know I know a lot of people as they develop in their archery style they they get a preference whether it's one side bar, bar or a V bar or you know a a four power, six power, two power, three power, and lens, anything like that. How has your, your bow setup changed? Right. So whenever I was younger, I shot a, a wrist strap release. And because that's usually what kids start with, you know, and so that's what I had, you know, back when I was a kid. And then um, outdoors for the most part, since then, since I was about, well, since I was 14 or so, I've shot a button or a thumb release. 
And then I try to shoot a hinge or back tension type release indoors. And um, because, obviously, well, whenever I got my first bout of target panic, I was shooting that wrist strap release. And so in my when I cured my target panic then, the cure was to get rid of that release, right? So so that's what I did. <laughs> and I haven't shot one since then. So um, there's that. And then also I've shot a lot more um, 3D the last. 3D tournaments the last couple of years more than I more so than um, like theta style tournaments outside in the summer, and mm-hmm. so I was shooting um, like a, just a regular four power lens for circles, but I realized I couldn't see as well as I needed to see um, for 3D. Like to go to an ASA tournament, I need to be mm-hmm. able to see the lines if I'm going to shoot 12. And so I've actually the last two years I've shot with a clarifier in. And so okay. a number a number one clarifier with my four power lens, and that's like cleared up the target so much. And so I realized that that's something that I really need when I'm shooting, at anim- you know, at 3D animals. I don't shoot one yeah. inside at circles, but that's another thing that's changed. And back when I was younger, I didn't shoot a long stabilizer. I just had you know like a bow hunter length stabilizer, and now I shoot a long stabilizer as well as a bar on my left off the left side of my bow. And so. Mhm. Those okay. are just some things that have evolved with, I think, with archery, honestly, in the, the last 20 years. <laughs> so Yeah, they they really have. There's always something new coming out every year. <laughs> yeah. It keeps it expensive. Yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> um, you, you know, you, it sounds like you shot a lot of different style tournaments, and, and I know you had mentioned that you you have a lot of knowledge about the various formats of archery. What is your, your favorite format, then, to shoot? So... I well, I have a couple favorites. I really like the V formation style. So, have you ever heard of the Big Sky Open? Yes, I have. So that's what we shot the V formation style tournament like this last Sunday in Cedar City. So where you shoot twenty to sixty-five yards in like five-yard increments, and just so your targets are like in a V formation, and you shoot various sizes of mm-hmm. like the Vegas face, so the yellow face. I really mm-hmm. like that, and. I also really like shooting like the ASA style 3D tournaments as okay. well. Now that so, V-formation but, one is one I've never shot myself, and you know the only one I was aware of was, was Big Sky. Um, are there a lot of tournaments in that in that format? Um, I only two that I go to every year. I don't know if they do more than that. They're actually doing another one um, in Utah in July, so I guess there'll be three that I'll go to this year. But it's called the Color Country Shootout that they've done the last. I don't know, 10 or 12 years that they do the V formation on the second day. The first day you shoot animals, which is fun. And then the second day you do the V formation, which they're my two favorite. So it's really one of my favorite tournaments. And then the Big Sky Open is the V formation both days. And then the one that they're going to do in July here in, well, I'm in Idaho, but in Utah, um, will be like some 3D and some V formation as well. So, Got it. Okay. So then with all the different types of tournaments you shoot, um, and I know as, as you kind of get more into the professional side of archery, how do you choose what shoots you're going to go to? And cause you can only go to so many a year, whether it's due to time restrictions or financial restrictions. How do you decide what you're going to compete in? Well, that depends on the year, I guess. <laughs> I guess. And so this year, honestly, um, so we start tournaments probably the first week of November, and we can honestly go to a tournament every weekend from November through July. And Mm -hmm. we pretty much do. We go to a lot of local tournaments, and then we usually go on a plane somewhere once a month. We, meaning my dad and I, well, my dad has been shooting, like, really, really, really well. 
indoors the last couple of years. And so right at the beginning of indoor season, we decided that we were going to go to all of the major indoor tournaments because he had the best chance of winning those. In fact, he, he podiumed at all of them this year. We went to Lancaster. He got third. We went to Vegas. He got second. And then last weekend we were in um, Cincinnati and he got first, which was at national. So he, he podiumed at all three. And so um, obviously I don't, I mean, it's fun to shoot with my dad because that's what I've been doing my whole life. And so that's what we decided that we were going to do this year is focus on indoors. And so mm-hmm. we did that. And then we do have, we have, are still trying to get our outdoor schedule set. Um, I mentioned to your husband that I'm going on an Ibex hunt on Friday, but I'm also going, I'm going to London the week before, and then I go to my Ibex hunt. So I'm hunting Mutt Jack in London, and then I'm hunting Ibex in Spain. And I'll be gone for 17 days, and so that eats up a lot of my vacation time. So I have yeah. to to skip a couple archery tournaments because of that. So my dad will go to one in South Dakota in April that I'm not going to because of my Ibex hunt. And then we'll both go to a tournament called, well, in Reading, um, which is the, like, 3D Nationals. And I really like that tournament as well, and that's the first weekend of May. Mm-hmm. And then, But pretty much we really just try to do one, try and hit one big tournament a month from I would say November through July that we seem to we both have we both work three jobs so that we can afford our archery habit. So, oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that, expensive one. Yeah. So that's that's how we're able to do it. I mean, a lot of people can't afford to to go to as many as we go to, but that's how we do it is we work three jobs. Both of us have three jobs, so Yeah. It comes into our practice time definitely. Yeah, it, it comes <laughs> into our practice time, but so it's kind of like a catch-22 because instead of working, I should be practicing. But if I'm going to go to tournaments, I need to work so I can pay for it. So kind of like <laughs> it's, a, it's a lose-lose situation. Absolutely. So that kind of leads me to another question. I mean, I know you're talking about being busy and and everyone at some point in their life is, is so busy they can't really dedicate as much time as they'd like to to, to archery or to whatever hobby they have um, or, you know, passion or anything. So when you're busy working three jobs and, you know, trying to build up the vacation time and the money to actually afford these archery shoots, how do you then prioritize the time you actually do have available to practice? So what are your strategies for or your practice routine to really keep you at the top of your game for the shoots you to go to? So, I mean, ever since I can remember, uh, well, I guess I've been a nurse for nine years. I've worked, I mean, every Monday, generally, I work both two jobs on Mondays and so I don't practice on Mondays but I practice the other six days of the week and I do that pretty religiously whether I have to wake up at four in the morning to go to the range and during indoor season before I go work both of my jobs or whether I shoot at my on my lunch break or in between two jobs I mean sometimes I can only get 30 arrows in but I really like make it a priority to I mean I don't shoot a ton of arrows because I don't have time but I do shoot every day and so I think that that's really important for um, establishing and maintaining muscle memory in shooting. And so maybe that's, I I shoot my bow after I go to the gym at midnight sometimes, you know, so it just, mm-hmm. I just, it's, I don't really have a regular schedule with three jobs. And so I just fit it in whenever I can. And I, I do my best to fit it in, whether it be four o'clock in the morning, lunchtime, midnight, on my break, <laughs> whatever, so. So focus on on repetition and consistent shooting rather than the quantity yeah, of arrows. Yeah, yes, because so I've the last, especially where I've been more busy the last few years, I've focused more on making good shots or quality shots instead of quantity. 
And I feel mm-hmm. like that's gotten me more in, I mean, I've gotten way farther ahead in life related to shooting, doing that mm-hmm. than shooting 200 arrows a day like I used to whenever I was 14, you know? So, yeah. Right, so quality, not quantity, has been my motto lately. And it seems to be, I mean, going to the hypnotist and working on, like, my form and stuff like that, the whole, it all seems to be working out for me mm-hmm. lately, anyways. So, Absolutely. I mean, it sounds like that's a, a good strategy, especially for when you are living living a, a busy life and don't necessarily have three hours to dedicate at the range every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and I wish I love shooting my bow. Like if I could shoot three hours a day, I would. And I did. Whenever I made my first two world teams, whenever I was in high school, I did shoot three hours a day. I, in fact, yeah. I actually quit. I used to play volleyball, and I quit playing volleyball so that I could shoot my bow more. Like so, I could shoot my bow three hours a day because I couldn't do. <laughs> I couldn't practice as much as I wanted and go to volleyball practice in my volleyball game and because I had made it a goal to make a world team. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to make a world team, I have to give up something else. And I'm like, where am I going to go in my playing volleyball in high school? Nowhere. So, <laughs> so, so I actually quit. I actually quit volleyball so that I could shoot my bow. And I did the first world team that I made. Um, I started practicing in March for specifically for that tournament. And the trials were in June, so for three months straight, I practiced every day for three hours, three to four hours after school. Wow. And so, then what was that like competing on the world team? At, at you said you were 15 when you competed. Then? Yeah, 15. That yeah, the first one I was 15, and I so I've been on four, but my first one was when I was 15. And what what was that whole experience like? I mean, where I know we talked about nerves. Were your nerves greater for that, or? And usually when you travel, travel adds, and most most shoots you do have to travel to, but travel can add a whole nother level to the competition because there's that, you know, you, you get there, you take your bow out of the bow case, and you wonder just how much TSA is tossed it around and what screws are loose and what's been bumped. <laughs> right, 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 no kidding. So whenever I made my first world team, we thought it would be like a once-in-a-lifetime experience, right? So my whole family went, my dad, my mom, and my sister all went to England to where the world championships were. And... So they all went, and I went and stayed with the USA archery team, and we were staying, like, at an agricultural college, and my parents were staying off in a hotel, and they were able to go, like, look at all the castles and sightsee and stuff like that, and I was just kind of stuck at this agricultural college. But um, it was that was my first time traveling out of the country, and so it was more of, like, I mean, I wouldn't say that I was a sheltered child by any means because I had been traveling in the United States to tournaments. But I was just, like, so amazed at how different, like, other cultures are. So there was teams from, like, 52 or 53 different countries there. And so mm-hmm. it was, it was so I was, like, really intrigued by people from different cultures than here in Idaho and Utah, right? Uh-huh. And uh, I didn't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I got nervous until the last day. And so I shot the qualifying round and did pretty well. I can't remember what I was in the qualifier, but then you start doing the elimination matches. And I shot my, I shot all the way into, I made it to the bronze medal match. And the medal matches, they put on this big, ginormous jumbotron screen, like. <laughs> and so I'm standing there, and I, this is my first, like, time on a jumbotron, okay? So I'm standing there, and I can see myself on this big screen TV as I'm getting ready to shoot, you know. So that put a whole, that put a whole twist on my nerves. Anyways, I ended up getting fourth. I placed the highest for the United States cadet team that year. 
But um, yeah, no, that was what really freaked me out was the big, the big jumbotron TV that everybody yeah. was watching in <laughs> the whole crowd. <laughs> there you are on a big screen in front of in a stadium, you know, type situation. So yeah. Oh yeah, I can imagine. I mean, I have a difficult enough time when when I'm the last person on the line and everyone has already stepped off the line. I can't mm-hmm. imagine being up on the jumbotron. <laughs> yeah, so that that's when I really got nervous. I I felt like I wasn't too nervous in the qualifier, but then that and or even my first couple matches. But then when, once they started putting this up like on the jumbotron in the metal matches, I was like, oh wow, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> so. And then, you know, as girls, you know, we're always worried about, like, how we look, our appearance. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm in front of, like, thousands of people on this big TV. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, at, at another level there to the anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> so. so, you know, I, I'm kind of jumping all over the place here with questions, but you've got a lot of experience traveling the tournaments, it seems. And for the newer archers that are just sort of getting into – into archery and wanting to go to new shoots that are maybe across the country or even just a couple states away, but are going to be flying their bow. When I first flew my bow, I was I didn't even know how to pack it. I luckily I you know I was friends with Paul Tedford. I texted him and I was like, I need you to call me and explain how you're friends to pack with Paul. Things. Yeah, that's well, because awesome. I I got introduced to him through my friend who's his sister. So that's how we met when I was oh, first kind of getting into archery. Too. Yeah. He He's great. Awesome. And so mm-hmm. he was the one who I, I kind of reached out to him and I was like, I need help. How in the world do you pack a bow? <laughs> and mm-hmm. so when you're traveling with, you know, all of your expensive equipment in your bow, your sight, your, you know, your, whether it's your binos or your um, spotting scope, how do you actually pack it to to protect it from the TSA? <laughs> so I actually pack all my clothes in my bow case. So, and okay. I use it like to pad everything. So, I make sure that nothing's gonna like bump my wrist, and I pad, I wrap a shirt or pants around my cam on both sides, and just make sure that everything's padded so that if like it gets hit from the top or the bottom, that it's not hopefully gonna be detrimental to my equipment. And then I mm-hmm. always put my sight in my bow, in my carry-on bag. Absolutely. So I always put my sight in my carry-on bag, and then if I take, I gen um. It depends on – so my spotting scope I would put, like, in my case with my bow if I'm going to, like, a tournament where I need a spotting scope. But if I just need my binos, I put my binos in my carry-on bag as well. But mm-hmm. I'm, I've am i gotten pretty good at packing my bag to be about 47 or 48 pounds with my clothes <laughs> and my all my archery equipment in there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it is, it's an art of itself, you know. Um it it really is the last flight I went on. It was actually kind of a shock that I had my boat. It was when we went to Vegas. We flew an airline where it turns out the baggage limit was 40 pounds, not 50 pounds. Oh, and that makes things I, complicated. I I was two pounds over. And so, of course, I opened up my bill case and I took out some of my husband's stuff. I said, nope, don't need this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that that was a sacrificial item. But, right. Um, <laughs> You know, all the bow, all the important bow stuff, it stayed. <laughs> so um, I guess you you talked about the world team, and you said you've been four times? Yeah, I've been on four world teams for the United States. Is that is that a goal of yours, to make the world team again? Um, Yes. Yes, and I don't know. Yeah, I would say yes. I would like to get back into shooting um, more FIDA stuff. But mm-hmm. I've been shooting more 3D lately, so I've kind of had to choose one or the other because I can't do both. And so, yeah, 
that's kind of where I'm at in life at the moment. But it would be cool. Yeah, it would definitely be something that I w- would want to do again in the future, just not at the present time. Yeah. So with your 3D then shooting then, are you doing primarily ASA or IBO or what kind of 3D are you, 3D are you shooting? So we have, um, so the last, well, besides when I went to Cincinnati, the three weeks before that and then this last weekend, we have a bunch of indoor arena 3D shoots that are marked 3D. Okay. And it depends on the club if they have ASA, if they have McKenzie's or Reinhardt targets. But um, I, I've done well. I've, so I didn't shoot the week of Cincinnati. I didn't shoot 3D, but I won the tournaments the two weeks before that, and then I won this last weekend, you know, the 3D. So I've been doing well. So it's hard for me to want to go back to shooting theta when I'm shooting 3D really well right now. <laughs> but um, I, the ASAs, I really love to shoot the ASAs, but since I live in Idaho, I have to fly to all of them because mm-hmm. they're, you know, all back east. Or So I can only, I've only been the last two years I went to, either two or three, and so I'm going to try and go to two or three, well, two probably again this year. I'm going to go to Metropolis and then I think London as well. And so um, as far as IBO, uh, our state 3D shoot here in Idaho is unmarked um, like IBO style, so where you have to judge yardage. But for the most part, I'm shooting like marked 3D. So, Got it. Um, yeah, but which... If I was going to shoot, like, IBO or, like, the ASAs in the unmarked class, like the women's pro pro class, um, I would have to spend a lot more time judging targets, like, just looking at targets and judging yardage, you know. And so yeah. with my practice time being, like, limited how it is right now, I don't really have time to add um, yardage judging into the mix. And so I marked is what I, sh- I shoot the marked class of the ASAs. Okay. So with, you know, I'm primarily a paper shooter. I've shot local 3Ds and stuff for fun. But like you said, being on the West Coast or in, you know, the Western United States, it's difficult to really get into ASA or IDO when it's, you know, a significant amount of travel for for you. And unlike in the South or on the East um, or even the Midwest, we don't have very many local clubs that have ASA or IDO style shoots. Um, Right. There's a lot of 3D in the Western U.S., but it's, you know, it's a totally different format usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so what has been the biggest challenge for you, I guess, as you kind of transitioned from paper to 3D? And it, it's still shooting, but it, it, it's a totally different type of shooting. So what have, what's some of your struggles been with that? You know, actually, it's been easier for me, really? I would say. Yeah, so shooting theta, like the, the stuff to make the world teams, you're shooting Six hour, six arrows at a time, out of, in the wind, you know, out out of fifty meters now is what you shoot. But um, whenever I was making the world teams, you had to shoot out to seventy meters as a woman before mm-hmm. they changed the world archery rules. And so I actually found that a lot more challenging than shooting like one or two arrows at a three D target because usually you can concentrate for two arrows, right? It's where you have to yeah. shoot six and you you lose your focus. And so, like for example, the five spot round versus the three. Three, the three spot round five spot mm-hmm. is not my favorite because I get I, a ADD or something like I can shoot like <laughs> two or three good arrows and then five is just too long to concentrate up there on the line and it's kind of it's kind of similar shooting theta you have to shoot six arrows at a time on the line and so like it really you really need to be like mentally 
strong, like you really like, and I, I, I just get bored. <laughs> yeah, I get distracted. <laughs> so, so 3D, I really like. I love walking around a 3D course. I love being out in the mountains, you know. And so, it's actually been a really nice change or a really nice transition going from shooting CETA to shooting 3D. And one of these years, whenever we decide, well, I might just have to do it without my dad. But I want to shoot the the whole entire ASA circuit. But my dad's pretty, you know, into indoor paper right now. And so I would have to definitely not shoot some of the indoor stuff to, to be able to make it to the whole ASA circuit so that I had enough vacation time and money. But mm-hmm. that's that's kind of my goal in the next couple of years. Instead of, like, making a world team, I, kind of, I want to do the whole ASA circuit and then win the end of the last ASA tournament is, like, world the world's for 3d they call it which is still in the united states so i don't know why they call it world but i would be think it would be really cool to win that so that's more yeah. a more realistic goal for me at the time being than like making another world team Got it. and okay. then another thing like as far as i mean now i'm shooting for money right and so mm-hmm. usa archery which is the organization that does the feta stuff here in the united states um it doesn't matter how many shooters you have in the, the division. They only pay the top four people, no matter if you mm-hmm. have um, – if you could have 120 people and they're still only paying four. Whereas if you go to, like, the ASA tournaments or, like, the local 3D tournaments or the IBOs, they pay on a certain ratio, you know. So if you have, um, like, 12 people in a the class, they're paying the top three. You know, if they're paying, like, on a one-to-four ratio. And, but if you have 36 people, then they're going to pay 12, you know what I mean? So, like, more people are winning money. And the entry fees are a lot less money too. So oh, yeah. I mean, it costs yeah, like it costs like I think it's like 175 or 200 bucks to shoot like Arizona stuff. It might even be more than that now. Like it was, but I think it was like 200 bucks last time I shot it. And yeah, it's right I mean, around can, there, I think. Yeah, you can go shoot an ASA for like 65 bucks, you know. So mm-hmm. and and, and have a win a better chance of winning money. Yeah, 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 yeah. So huh. it's just yeah. Um, especially where I'm having to work three jobs to support my habit anyways, it's nice to actually be able to win a little bit of money or have a chance to win money to to help pay for some of those things. And so. <laughs> Absolutely. I, and I like how that's phrased too, you know, it's, it's, I, I gotta, I gotta make enough money to support my habit. You know, it is, it's an addiction. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, um, you know, I, we've covered a lot of topics ranging from just beginner's level archery all the way up to going traveling for the world team to, you know, across the ocean. Um, what would maybe, what, what would your top piece of advice or your top tip be for someone just starting out in archery or in tournament archery who wants to be able to advance up into the higher ranks of archers in the U.S.? Um, I would say to find a mentor and that mentor needs to be somebody who really wants you to succeed. And and so, for example, I mean, I've shot with my dad my whole life. Mm-hmm. And my dad obviously wants me to succeed. And so I have that support system. I would say that my dad's my mentor. But a lot of people don't have that person, you know, where they can ask for advice or that somebody that's really experienced and knowledgeable. And um, so make sure that you find a mentor because you can't do it on your own. Like, even though archery is an individual sport, you need to have, a support system and that's what I think anyways and so find find a mentor somebody that you get along with and somebody that really wants to see you succeed no matter Mm -hmm. what it is that you want to do you know so they need to be supporting you 100% and I'll even say that for the new archers because when I started archery I didn't know a single person 
who who shot, you know, around where I was. I just went to a tournament, and archery is such a welcoming community that it is. Um, I I mean, I have now probably two or three people that I just met through shooting my local tournament. Didn't know them; they were complete strangers, and they've basically, you know, evolved into my archery mentors. Um, they're you know they're not a paid coach; they're a friend, and they're just someone who's willing to help and wants to help a new archer succeed and grow in the sport. Um, so I think that's a fantastic tip. And for those new archers out there, they don't even, you know, you don't need to go log on to USA Archery and, and find a coach to pay. It, a coach no. is certainly an option, but you can also mm-hmm. find a mentor just from your local archery community. Yeah, there's so many people. That's one thing that I really like about archery. Like you said, everybody is so welcoming. And, I mean, there's not really like I have, so I have, friends that have little girls that are in dance you know and they are like dance moms they are so like competitive <laughs> and bratty and stuff like that and you don't you don't have that in archery and that's, not at all so it's really nice everybody likes everybody and everybody wants i mean i whenever i'm shooting against somebody if i win a tournament i want to win when everybody else shot their best too you know what i mean like i don't mm-hmm. want to win because somebody else shot bad like I, I want them to succeed just as much as i want to succeed and so I, I mean, not everybody has that attitude, but for the most part, everybody does have that attitude in archery. And so really, that's, they, that's they really do. nice. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen, you know, bitterness that someone else did better than, you know, another archer. It's, it's always, mm-hmm. always very supportive and, you know, congratulations. And everyone always is happy for those that are doing well in tournaments and then, you know, if you really did want to win that win that tournament, but one of your competitors, who's also a good friend, won, it just pushes you to try. You know, to practice even more and try even harder. Oh yeah, um, yeah, I agree. And so I shoot. My sister has shot archery, and I didn't mention her much in this conversation, but she has a couple little kids now, so she's not really competing like she used to. But that was the that was my drive all growing up. You know, I mean, we were so competitive, but if one of one or the other of us won, we were always happy for each other. You know. And so my my sister's been on three world teams, and I've been on four. And we actually were on the same world team in 2006. We both were on the same world team. We went to Mexico with (laughs) Paul Tedford. And uh, his brother, Aaron, tried out for the team that year, and we were hoping it would be the Tedfords and the Christiansons, but then it didn't end up working. Aaron didn't make the team. But, yeah, and so, yeah, I mean, you have to have somebody that you can compete against. And, like, my dad, so my dad and I, I shot my highest score ever on the B formation round on Sunday. And I tied my dad, and my dad was so excited for me. You know, I mean, he shot well too, but he's like, he didn't care that I tied him. I mean, it's it's rare that I tie or beat my dad, and he's so excited that I, you know, mm-hmm. shot shot my best, my personal best. And the girls that I was shooting with all told me that I shot well. You know, and they were so excited. They're like, you shot so good. You know, and mm-hmm. one of the girls I'm partnering up with, we're gonna shoot team in Reading. You know, this year, so that will be fun because I usually just do the individual thing in Reading. So we're gonna mm-hmm. shoot teams and so that'll be something fun and new and so oh that will be, be cool. fun mm-hmm. cool well thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking tournament archery um with no me problem. And, um it's great hearing from just someone who's had such a variety of archery experience starting from a young age and kind of evolving through the different classes of archery and, and different styles of archery. Um, I think you have some great tips for everyone out there, you know, around mental game or packing your bow or finding a mentor, all sorts of stuff. Well, thank um, you. Well, yeah, we we really appreciate it. Zach, did you have any questions? No, it, I I actually had a few that, that you literally asked almost the exact same question that I was going to ask. So oh, <laughs> you awesome. did great, great minds think alike, right? 
Yeah. Yeah, but no, we do appreciate you being on the show, and especially tonight where you did so many podcasts with us. Or no, no worries. No, I had a good time. It was it was fun. So. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll uh, I'll make sure and you'd you'd put on your deal to reach out to your dad and see about him being on the show. So I'll have to make sure and get a hold of him and. and yeah, especially uh, I mean this year, like he's he's had a good tournament year and he's had a lot of um he's had surgeries like health problems like he had his back done in October. I mean he he couldn't he got out of his back brace the week of Lancaster and oh, wow. I mean he's done so well this season. You know what I mean? And it's and it's a big part his mental game because. He hasn't been able to shoot, you know, so because of his mm-hmm. staff. And so that's, he would be a pretty fun person to talk to. Oh, yeah, especially with his his experience in indoor archery, because I don't think we've had too many people that we've spoken to where we really focused on indoor, and indoor is a totally different game in itself. So Yeah, and something else that would be if you guys talk to him to ask about, he coached um, the collegiate world archery team since so the year I made the team in 2010 he was that was the first year that he was the coach but he coached the next five years so he coached the collegiate archery team the world team for five years so we went like to all different places over overseas coaching the the collegiate archery team for the U.S. and so that would be something to ask him about too that's pretty cool but and yeah he does 4-H and bow hunter ed and shoots all sorts of disciplines like I do so and and he's good at killing elk so, <laughs> he, he shot 18 with his bow. So, wow. Awesome. Well, good luck in London, and even though, even more luck on your IBEX hunt. That's what I'm more excited to hear about. Thanks. Yeah, that's what I'm excited <laughs> about too. And I'm actually kind of bummed because we're hunting muntjac in England, but um, bow hunting is illegal there, so I have to use a rifle, and so I'm actually oh. kind of sad about it. Yeah, but, for sure. Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Well, safe travels, and once again, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Will you guys um, send me a link whenever, or text it to me or something whenever you guys? Yeah, absolutely. I'll be sure, I'll be sure to let you know when when your stuff goes live. Absolutely. Cool. That'd be great. Well, thank All right. you. Thanks you. a bunch. Have a good night. Thanks. Yeah, you too, bye-bye. Lindsay. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Be on the lookout for five new weekly podcasts. Monday is our main show. Tuesday is Journey to the Podium. Wednesday is our live podcast as well as the previous week's live podcast recording. Thursday is Stories from the Red Zone, Tips and Tactics, and Gear Review. And Friday is Body D Wiggles. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are Eastman Elevated with Brian Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lampers. Some other YouTube channels to check out Hardworking Hunter. Sterling's Extremes Outdoors, and Lane Walter Productions. And a special thanks to Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.